Anyway, um, it's also slightly unusual because last Sunday was our annual church meeting, and it's been our practice normally to have our vision talk on the same night as the annual church meeting, but we had an amazing um, evening of comedy last night, uh, last Sunday. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah really good. I've got to say, it kind of exceeded all my expectations, and I know lots of people were really touched and met with God. So we've moved the vision talk to tonight, and I wanted just to share a little bit about where we're at as a church and some of the things I think the Lord's speaking to us about. But um, before I get into it, I want to just sort of um, share with you a little bit of history. So I, I unfortunately have developed a sort of very common male mid-age affliction, which is a complete inability to see clutter. It is driving my wife to distraction. And um, so every now and then she'll wander into my study and insist I tidy something up. So um, I had to tidy up my study the other day. Um, you probably can't tell. Um, it's a lot better than it was, and it still looks like a complete tip. But I came across a thing of historical note. And this is my Blockbuster Video membership card. Okay? Oh, that's, that, that's, like, that's really hardcore, isn't it? So this, is, this was issued to me on the 30th of June, 1999, at 30, 32 The Broadway. Now, um, a very nice cook shop down there. Now you can get your meals, ready meals down there. Um, you younger people, I need to explain this now, don't I? Okay, so back in the days, we used to watch films on big cassettes, and you could go to a place and you could rent the cassette, and it was yours for a day or two. It was like a lending library, that sort of thing. Um, and Blockbuster was all the rage. Um, Blockbuster grew incredibly quickly um, to 9,000 stores worldwide, but 25 years after they opened, they went bankrupt. And they made a number of wrong turns over the years, and probably their biggest mistake was that they twice refused to buy a little startup called Netflix. <laughs> they twice had the opportunity to buy Netflix for £50 million, Netflix is now worth 200 billion pounds. That's a pretty bad mistake, isn't it? Now, there's a, there's a really interesting blockbuster um, documentary called The Last Blockbuster because there's one lady who's keeping the flag flying and in Oregon there is one blockbuster video rental store. If you want to see that film, you can see it on Netflix. <laughs> it's the only place you can see it. Um, but I just, as I picked that up, I thought, that really speaks to me about change and uncertainty. And we are living in a very uncertain world. Um, and we, we know that when you're living in an uncertain world, one of the dictums is methods always change, principles never do. But the wisdom is in knowing the difference. The wisdom is in working out what is changing. So what I want to do is rather than use a vision talk to talk about, hey, here's a bunch of stuff we're going to be doing, which would basically be notices, what I want to talk about is where I think we're at as a church and as a culture um, and what will lie behind some of the decisions that we'll be making as we go forward. I want to use this talk, if you like, to look at how we can face change and what will never change that we need to keep focusing on. So, next slide, please. We uh, had a great celebration of Easter, didn't we? Wasn't it wonderful? And I think one of the great things about that is that you can see some of the different styles of our worship there, sort of the informal family service and then the concert in the evening. 
uh, some of the creative worship that the team did for Good Friday, and of course the baptisms. Just, and that really brings us home this point that really as a church, what we're about is seeing people encounter Jesus and get changed. And if we were ever to make any assessment of how well are we doing, it would be that. Are people meeting Jesus? Do those who know him find that their relationship with him is going ever deeper and that their service of him is becoming more fruitful and more fulfilled? And those who don't know them, are they being drawn in to encounter him? So we want to produce a people who have encountered Jesus. And um, pressing into that more and more, it has got to be the key. We've got to remember our evangelistic edge so that all that we do is um, the measure of it really is are we impacting more people than ourselves? Is it going beyond ourselves? Are we, are we seeing this community um, talking about Jesus for all the right reasons? And we're thankful to God as well for, for bringing us through a pandemic. I kind of, I think I've been saying it for a while. I think we're now post-pandemic. I think officially it's over. It's been declared to be over. Um, but there is a legacy that, that um, we, we are still living with. Um, for some people, their health has been significantly affected. For everybody, the economic situation is affected. Mental health if, uh, implications continue. And of course, we as a church, since the pandemic, which is kind of marking the end of one chapter and the beginning of the next, we as a church have been through a huge amount of change. So if you want to stick the next slide up, Chris... So these are the people who have joined the staff since the last annual church meeting. Marcus, Ala, Deladem, Elaine, Josh, Maddie, Helen, Justin, Tibbs, Nikki, and Anastasia. That's quite a few people, isn't it? I may have missed some. I don't think I have. But just think about that. So many new people who have joined the staff. Now, one of the great things about that is they're all fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we're very blessed that God has sent us some amazing people, and we're very excited about it. One of the interesting things is we often look around a meeting and think, oh, yeah, of course, you don't know about that, because you weren't here last time we did that. It was only a year ago. Um, And we're working really hard to make sure that as a team, we're building a new set of, of values and of culture, and we're passing on some of the history about how God has led us, how he's been faithful to us, who people are in the congregation who've you know, who've carried so much over the years and perhaps some of the staff might not have got to know them yet. But it's not, obviously, it's not just about the staff. It's actually about the whole membership of the church. And I think whilst we've seen unprecedented change and turnover in the staff, we've also seen a huge amount of change and turnover in the congregation as well. Um, that's particularly noticeable, actually, at our 1115 family service. Um, we are having to work really, really hard just to get to know people. I mean, quite often you get up to, to speak and you look out and you think, I don't think I know the names of anybody here. You're just like scanning around looking. Lots of people are familiar, but it's kind of breaking beyond. Yeah, I've seen you before. You've been coming for a while. To actually, I know you and I know your family and I know a little bit about your situation and um, I'm able to support and encourage you and pray for you. And I'm confident that you're making relationships with other people because... At the end of the day, people come to church for lots of reasons. They stay for only one. It's not Jesus. It's friendship. They can find Jesus in lots of places. But if they don't find friendship, they'll go looking for Jesus in those other places to find him. People need friendship. God has created us as social beings, and we are meant to be a church family. 
Um, and that means that we are going to have to work really, really hard and very, very intentionally about not just welcoming people, which is easy. It's like, welcome, hi, you're new, it's lovely to see you. But assimilating people so that you go beyond the welcome and you have an ongoing relationship so that people know that they're known and they know that they're loved. And that's really hard. We, we, um, we're doing a few initiatives, um, even little simple things like keeping the atrium open once a month, so just encouraging everybody to stay. Big events like we did today, which was a fantastic opportunity for us to have um, loads of families stay, loads of newcomers, but also a great opportunity to talk to people who are reasonably new. But what I want to say really is that welcoming people into the family of the church, even in a bigger church, is the job of the whole church. It's not just the job of the few, it's, it's on all of us. So it may well be that there's somebody that, that perhaps the staff miss, but you really form a connection with them and you, you possibly might introduce them to us, but if they're connected to you, they don't really care who their friendships are with. They don't have to have friendships with the staff all the time, you know, but they need to know that there is somebody there that they're connected to, that we know. So our task, I think, in this coming year is to help everybody that God is sending our way find their place in the family and then contribute towards the vision, whatever God has gifted them to do. We often used to talk about join, pray, serve, and give. You know, helping people take their place and, and start playing their part. Because if God has sent them, it's not just a number. It's a person he loves. It's not just somebody for us to look after. It's a person to become part of us to help us all look after even more people. And we want the gifting that God has placed in their life. We want the, the anointing that they're they have. God, God, God will be sending us leaders. He might send us leaders in packages we haven't noticed before or in, in shapes that we haven't recognized before, maybe looking a bit different from some of the leaders we've known before. But God is going to send us those people because he wants us to grow and to build the church. So what sort of church are we trying to build? Well, um, some people who've been around for a while will have heard me do a version of the next slide or two many times. But it just needs to be restated because we keep forgetting and also lots of people are new and probably never heard it. So our vision is really simple. We see Jesus at the center. We want to see Jesus at the center of everything. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the solution. And life goes better when Jesus is at the center. So you as an individual were made for a relationship with Jesus. You will not find life in all of its fullness until and unless you accept what Jesus came to bring. So I said, I've come in order that you might have life. If I didn't come, you wouldn't have it. But I've come in order that you might have life and life in all of its fullness. But it's not just that. We want to see Jesus at the center of your relationships, your friendships, your family. We want to see Jesus at the center of your household and your small group. We want to see him central to every gathering that we have as the church. But we also want to see him central to our community. One of the reasons why we built the atrium and redeveloped the site was to place Jesus at the center of this community so that people would be around the things of Jesus all the time and they might encounter him. Maybe they'll come for one thing, whether it's coffee or a, a club, but they'd meet something else. And so Jesus at the heart of our community makes for a healthy community. We want to see Jesus at the center of our nation and of the nations of the world. 
Jesus is at the center. And that, that means that we as a church are going to be a church or continue to be a church or increasingly want to be a church that is radically pursuing his presence, that, that is seeking to meet him every time we gather. Because if he's the boss, we want his agenda for everything that happens. If he's the answer, then we need to come to him to receive what he longs to give. And it is a, um, it's a transformational process as we press into the presence of Jesus, that we become more like him, and then we become the people he wants to fulfill his mission and ministry in the world. But this is not a Jesus of our own making, which is why I had to qualify it. So people used to say to me, what sort of church are you? And the, the obvious answer was, we're, we're a Church of England church. Problem is, that means almost nothing, does it? Church of England church. Well, you could go to any two or three Church of England churches and you would be hard-pressed sometimes to believe that you're in the same denomination. They just look completely different. In fact, in some ways, you could, be, um, you could come to different services even in All Saints and you will find the same heart and the same vision and the same truth, but you'll find different expressions of it. So what type of church are we? Well, I have to kind of back up and say, it's not enough to say to you, we happen to be in the Church of England. We're happy to be in the Church of England. But what I have to say to you is this, we are a Bible-believing church. We're a church that believes the Bible is the word of God, that we haven't made this stuff up ourselves. Um, this is not a Jesus of our own making. We, this is not, you know, I, I will preach, I will have a Bible here, because these are not my thoughts um, there is no authority that I carry save anything that comes out of the word of God. And that's what we want to pass on to you. We sit under everything that we preach. And that guides our worldview and our direction and our decisions. It's, it's what's in the Bible. Now, if what's in the Bible is the heart of it, then the message that we preach has to be the message that Jesus revealed completely and supremely, definitively for us in the Bible that Jesus preached. And Jesus did not preach, you can go to heaven when you die. That wasn't Jesus' message. His message was, the kingdom of God has come amongst you. And what you need to do is repent and believe this kingdom. The kingdom of God is an invisible kingdom, but it's where God is rightly king. It's where a world of people in rebellion turn back and acknowledge the kingship of God. And where God is king, his order starts to come that is actually the gospel so Jesus in the beginning of Mark's gospel it says he came preaching the good news and he said repent the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe this gospel the time has come so the, the good news is that God's kingdom is breaking back in that God's restoring everything he's putting it right everything that's wrong with the world everything that's in rebellion against him everything that's evil when it should be good he is making it right that's the kingdom it's like, great, thank you, Lord. Now, when you realize that, you see it everywhere. Once you've understood that, it's everywhere in the Gospels. Every time Jesus tells a story, it doesn't begin once upon a time. It always begins, the kingdom of God is like this. Every story Jesus told, is about the kingdom. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus said, this is a prayer you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And what does that look like? Well, it means your will will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we want what is happening in heaven where you are perfectly obeyed to happen upon the earth as well. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus talked about the kingdom again and again and again. Even after the resurrection, it says he appeared to them 40 days and he spoke to them about 
the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. And then Jesus says, and you too are going to become carriers of the kingdom. He called us into this. He didn't just go around proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom, but he sent the disciples to proclaim and to demonstrate the kingdom as well. He gave us his own ministry, and we can't do that except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this actually has some parallels in Ephesians. I'm just going to read a few verses from that book. In Ephesians chapter 1, this is one of Paul's letters, and he he, um, reveals to us in the first um, big paragraph about how we have been chosen in Jesus through the creation of the world to be holy, blameless, and uh, in God's sight. In love, God predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus, In him, we have redemption through his blood. We're forgiven of our sins, and God has lavished his riches upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. Like, great, this is the plan. What's the plan? To bring all things together under one head, Jesus. That's the plan. Everything is going to come under one head, Jesus. Ultimately, the nations, the kingdoms, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God, our Lord, and his Christ. Jesus is the boss. And then he says, In him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything along with his will, in order that we who were the first to hope might be for the praise of his glory. And you also, you were included when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, And when you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So really all three things are in there. The kingdom, the word, and the spirit. And um, all three of those are under attack. All three of those are under attack in these days. And I want to suggest that our response is, well, I was praying about this, and I just felt, um, felt God say to me, what you need to do is double down. Now, I play a lot of games, as you know, so doubling down is a term that comes from games. I think it comes from blackjack, actually, card games. It basically means that when your position is, looks, you're not really certain, you decide to completely back it and go all in because you believe you've got a winning hand. Doubling down, interestingly, has been taken over into the business world um, because sometimes businesses like pursue a strategy and it comes under pressure, and then they double down, and they go for it, and they get it wrong. Like HMV. Remember that? We've done Blockbuster already. Do you remember HMV, the music stores? When people started releasing cheap CDs, HMV said, let's make the music store experience better, and invested loads of money into a sector of industry that was basically disappearing with cheap CDs and streaming taking over. That's a bad example of doubling down, choosing the wrong strategy. Um, or Nokia. I mean, you know, when I first got a phone, it was a Nokia phone. Nokia basically just sold themselves to Microsoft in the end because many of you have got Android phones, right? An Android phone. An Android is a free operating system. Nokia didn't like that. It was too challenging to them. Somebody's releasing a free operating system for phones. Let's create our own one, which is better, and charge for it. Uh-uh. That's why Nokia doesn't exist anymore. The point of this is... We need to commit to the right things. We need to strengthen our commitment to the right things. 
And I want to say that all three of those uh, things that we've highlighted already, the Bible, the kingdom, and the spirit, all three of those need to remain central to our way of life as a church. So we'll take them in order of the way they come up in the passage. So kingdom first. Next slide. There we go. Kingdom. Now, I, in many ways, we're doing really well as a church. It's, it's great. You know, the numbers of the church are good. The finances are good. We're having impact. It's exciting. There's always something on. The temptation is to think of ourselves. And there was a phrase that God spoke to me um, probably about nearly 20 years ago um, where he just drew my attention to something in Luke's gospel and it hit me with such force as to what we are meant to be as, as a church. Jesus says, from those to whom much has been given, much will be required. So however blessed you think you are, the more responsible you are for actually using it well. You've got to be a good steward of it. And particularly, kingdom stewardship is actually about giving away what you've got. So you're not building empires, but you're investing in the Lord's kingdom. Now, we do that in a very effective way through um, what we call our MMU, the, um, the six churches, starting with St. Andrews and then the five other parishes that we're connected to. And uh, a lot of resourcing and encouraging goes out from here. More than that, though, but we want to send teams out, teams and trips and wider ministry. I know um, many of you will be aware that Becky and I have handed over our leadership responsibilities within New Wine. Um, that's going to create a lot of spare time for us. You are going to see more of us, but we're still going to keep taking ministry trips as well because that is so central to this kingdom vision that we've got to be giving away what we've got. And not just us, but Mark and uh, other members of the team as well. People continue to come to us here and we continue to make space in our church's life to receive them. So uh, just in the last week, we've had a, a team of pastors from the US visit us. Uh, we've had a group of young people from Sweden. I think next week we've got a group of pastors from Sweden. Um, the interns are going off to Northern Ireland in a couple of weeks or so. Um, it's part of our vision. But more than that, a kingdom focus is not just about giving away church to church, but kingdom focus means that we're, we're far more, more about the kingdom than we are about the church. And the kingdom is everything. It's God's interest in everything. God claims every area of life. And so I think if we're going to be truly living out the kingdom vision, we have to actually equip you for serving God where you are, for your front line. And our front lines are becoming increasingly challenging. And I think when there is quite a lot of pressure on church numbers and um, things like that, you know, the denominations are kind of getting um, ever more parsimonious and giving us resources, the temptation would be to pull our horns in and kind of like just, you know, circle the wagons and go a bit defensive. We've got to come in the opposite spirit. We've got to go, go out to that as well. The temptation for an individual is to kind of keep your head down at work and in the playground and in the classroom. But again, I think kingdom means be confident in your king, look up, and we need to make sure that as a church, we're equipping each other to be able to do that. And the more I think about it, the more I think that actually the most contested front lines that we have at the moment are those amongst our children and young people. And I really think we need to 
really um, not just look after them through our uh, youth and children's ministry, but equip parents and grandparents, um, those in the world of education. We've got to help you fight the battles that are not just coming, but are already here. That is a spiritual front line, which is really significant. So that's the kingdom. The second one is the Bible. Next slide. Here we go. Bible. The kingdom's always at odds with culture. Um, and it was interesting. It's kind of continuity and change. Looking at that coronation, I'm sure you couldn't help but be struck by how much Christian symbolism or just you know, pure Christianity was in there. It was like the Bible and you know, all of those prayers and all of those recognitions that the king is a king under God, the anointing of him. You know, it's very, very Christian. It did make me think, will the next coronation be so Christian? You know, institutions actually are pretty permanent. They, their institutions stick around for a long time, but the pressure on the institution is mounting all the time. And many people, I think, will have found the, the, um, the coronation something that doesn't relate to them. They can't connect to in any way. That will be even greater next time. In society, incre- increasingly, Christian truth is been see- being seen as immoral. That actually, if you believe the things that Christians believe, that that's a bad person, because every right-thinking person would think opposite. That's not easy. Now, that could lead to a few interesting things with regard to the church. The first is, it's quite possible the church will lose its privileged position, which we call, dis- that, that's called disestablishment. It's quite possible that the church will not have representation in the House of Lords, will not be taking um, a spiritual lead in crowning a king. It's quite possible that all sorts of things might happen. To church schools, we would, would we perhaps lose the rights to educate children according to Christian truth if that's seen as being narrow and exclusive? But it's also quite possible that the church within itself will suffer serious division as a result of trying to work out some of these tensions. It's likely to happen within the next year or so. Um, and we're going to have to prepare everybody to understand what's going on so that we can make sure we're on the right side of it. Um, I felt God say that we, we need to be prepared to go outside the camp and suffer disgrace for the name. That's a phrase that comes from the end of Hebrews. In order to be faithful to God, we might have to risk the disapproval of society and even the rejection of society and even the consequences of being rejected by society and losing some very special things that the church has had for a thousand years or more. So we need to make sure we're equipping the church for that. Not just what the truth is, but why that's good news to believe that truth. So look for some meetings and some teachings along those lines. Like I said earlier, there's no power in a Jesus of our own making and there are no lasting solutions our own, own wisdom. So Bible is something we really need to hold to. And then finally, more briefly, the Holy Spirit. We cannot fulfill the mission of Jesus without the gift that Jesus sent in order that we might do it. The Holy Spirit is for mission. He's not given to us to make Sunday slightly more exciting. You know, it's not the point of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are not to kind of like jazz up your house group. The Holy Spirit is given to equip us for mission. It's so that we might reveal. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. A manifestation really just means to make something visible. 
So the equipping of the Holy Spirit is to make God visible to those who can't see the invisible God. It's why we're doing Spirit Cafe. It's why we're teaching kingdom ministry. And I think all of these three things, we need to double down on them. We need to be really committed to being generous and thinking beyond the parish boundaries, supporting missions, sending people, helping other churches, playing a role bigger than just looking after ourselves. We need to be really digging into the Bible so that we know it and we're practicing Bible reading habits and we're equipping people to use the Bible in their everyday life. And we really need to be radical about prayer ministry, about coming into a dependence upon the Spirit of God. And, and actually, if you want, there's one enemy in all of those three things. It's one enemy. And it's self. It's selfishness. That's the consistent thing. That, you know, the, the self says, well, I don't want to live for anybody else's kingdom. I just want to build my own. And the self says, I don't want anybody to tell me what the truth is. I want to say my own truth. And the self says, I don't want to be dependent. I want to do it in my own strength. It's, it's basically, it's, root, it's selfishness and sin. That's the essence of what we're fighting, but we're fighting it on those three areas. So we need to keep Jesus at the center. We need to prioritize worship and prayer. Just a couple of highlights. Uh, we, we are going to be teaching in the next couple of weeks or next few weeks about the Holy Spirit prophesied in the book of Isaiah and how that applies to us today as well. And then we're going to be teaching a series through the book of Proverbs as well. But our confidence is this, and this is the, the end of um, Ephesians. What I'd like to do really is just read it over us as a congregation. And then uh, if the band would like to come back and get in place, I'm just going to read this over us and ask that the Holy Spirit will apply it into our lives. And then we're going to end the service with a blessing. But if anyone would like to come forward for prayer, my sense is that um, as we've shared this, this, um, this thought tonight about where are we at, I just feel that the Lord is saying he wants us to be salty salt. He, he wants us to be a distinctive people. He, he wants us to be firmly committed to his kingdom, not our own. Um, to be firmly committed to the authority of the word of God. And to be firmly committed to being dependent upon him so that we do it in his strength and not in our own. So would you like to stand? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be reminded tonight of your plans and purposes for your church in this place. Lord, these are things that have been pressed onto our hearts over couple of decades now or more. We recognize, Lord, that um, becoming a Christian is not, not easy. Being a Christian is even harder. That culturally, the culture is drifting away and trying to make its own rules up and put its own wisdom in place of yours. That there's a rejection of things that we know are true and have stood the test of time. And I ask, Lord, that you would prepare us for whatever lies ahead, even if it becomes a slightly tougher day, that we would be able to double down on our belief, our faith, because we know these things to be true. And these words I read are not mine. They're written by the Apostle Paul. 
to read them over us as, as God's people in this place. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Lord, give us the spirit of revelation. Give us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And give us a firm faith that all things are under your feet. Lord, would you fill us in every way? We recommit ourselves tonight to be a Bible, kingdom, spirit church and each of us individually just take a few moments to talk to God about your own commitment